When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey YA is sponsored by TBR, Book Riot subscription service offering reading recommendations personalized to your reading life. Want great new YA books to read but overwhelmed by all the publishing buzz? Let us help. Tell TBR about your reading likes and dislikes and what you're looking for and sit back while your bibliologist handpicks recommendations just for you. TBR offers plans to receive hardcover books in the mail or recommendations by email, so there's an option for every budget. TBR is produced in partnership with Print, a bookstore in Portland, Maine, so you can treat your shelf and support an indie too. TBR is also available as a gift. Visit mytbr.co to sign up. That is mytbr.co. Welcome to Hey YA. From great new books to favorite classic greets, from news stories to the latest in on-screen adaptations, Hey YA is here to elevate the exciting world of young adult lit. Hey YA is a book riot podcast hosted by me, Kelly Jensen, alongside Eric Smith, and we are recording bright and early on Monday, July 20th, 2020. Good morning. Monday recording. Yeah, because someone forgot that we were recording this week, and uh... I think someone was all of us. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what is time anyway at this point, honestly? (laughs) Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So speaking of time, let's talk about what we're reading or not reading or little both, maybe. I'll start by saying that I've actually been tearing through books lately. And when I say tearing through books, uh, this is in terms of quarantine reading. So not my usual pace, but way more than has been the case in the last few months. I absolutely loved and really did tear through My Eyes Are Up Here by Laura Zimmerman, which as listeners who have been keeping up with us knows, was on my summer TBR and it was a riot. Literally, I chuckled on every single page and it was funny after I read it, I went and read some negative Nancy reviews of this book. (laughs) Because sometimes I love doing that just to see like what things people were mad about. And so this book is about a girl with really big boobs. And one of the reviews, actually multiple reviews, went on and on about how uh, 30H bra size isn't big. But y'all, as somebody who was that size in high school, it's monstrous to a high schooler. Like our adult brains on our bodies are not the same as adult brains on our bodies when we're teens, like when we're teens, our perspective is different than when we're adults thinking about those times. And this book just nailed so many things for me. I wrote a long book write piece about it. I think that'll go up next month, but it was spot on and funny. And I didn't realize how much I needed to just laugh a lot. After I finished that, the next book I then tore through was Now That I've Found You by Christina Forrest, which comes out August 25th. So just a few weeks. And it's about the granddaughter of a famous movie star who has been blackmailed by her best friend and loses this major career opportunity until a new one pops out that uh, has a little bit of a catch. And that catch is she has to convince her grandmother to come out of her seclusion and private life to make it happen. And it was a rom-com. 
and it was about finding her grandma who has just gone missing in New York City. She has no idea where grandma is. And it's this incredible story of black stardom and black fame and black acting. And it was just awesome. You don't see that enough in YA. You don't see that enough anywhere. And it was so fun. That sounds fantastic. I'm like such a sucker for the like, I have to get my once famous parent or relative out of mm-hmm. seclusion story. Like I like uh, like I read like the lightness of hands earlier this year yes. with the with the magician sort of hook there. Yeah, now I gotta I gotta pick this up. You'll love this one. <laughs> this is like Eric Catnip, and there's a sweet rom com in it, and it just it hit everything I really needed in a book that I didn't know I needed, mm-hmm. and. Uh, then I started and I blew through half of Agnes at the End of the World by Kelly McWilliams. Oh, I can't wait to talk about this. Did you read it? So, no, I haven't read it yet, but several of my authors in my agent life, like Mike Chen and a couple others, have been like raving about this book and like yelling at me on social media. Like, why haven't you gotten this yet? Uh, so I just bought it. Yeah, I can't wait to dig into this one. I think you'll love it. I was sort of surprised. I was like, I don't know how I feel about a pandemic book right now. Like, as much as I love pandemic stories, I didn't know if I wanted one right now. But something about the premise of cult story meets pandemic just works really well, and I cannot put this book down. Yes, excellent. So Eric Eric Catnip in my reading life this week. I love him. How about you? What What have you been reading? Have you been reading? Yeah, so I haven't read anything. I'm I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I started watching uh, Love Victor though, mm. so uh, you know it's like a YA adjacent accounts. Yeah, um, oh yeah, and it's really fun getting back into Becky Albertalli's YA world through this you know really fun series on Hulu. So uh, yeah, that's 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 been my reading. It's been a, been a, a tricky couple of couple of weeks, so uh, I'll get back to it soon. Yeah, you know what? It's normal. Like, especially if you have big stuff going on in your life, it's like, reading is backseat, and it should be. Yeah. You'll come back to it. Let's uh, let's hit our first sponsor and then dive right into our show. We we wrote this agenda, like, a month ago, (laughs) so (laughs) it was was fun revisiting it this morning, going, oh, yeah, I was going to talk about that. Oh, I actually read that book in the time between when I created what I was going to say versus, like, now. (laughs) So, fun little blast from the past, also, like current time like time again meaningless so (laughs) her first sponsor is the extraordinaries by tj kloon some people are extraordinary some are just extra tj kloon's ya debut the extraordinaries is a queer coming of age story about a fanboy with adhd and the heroes he loves nick bell not extraordinary but being the most popular fan fiction in the extraordinaries fandom is a superpower right after Mm -hmm. a chance encounter with shadow star nova city's mightiest hero and Nick's biggest crush, Nick sets out to make himself extraordinary, and he'll do it with or without the reluctant help of Seth Gray, Nick's best friend, and maybe the love of his life. That is The Extraordinaries by TJ Klune. Oh boy. What is going on with this episode? Like, everything in here sounds like something I desperately (laughs) need to read. Like, (laughs) here's a fan fiction story? Like, yes please. Maybe this is your sign. Like, here are some books to try now, right? I know, and I've been, like, really hyped up for, um... Oh, what is that book? It's this debut coming out by Anna Birch, I Kissed Alice, which mm, also mm-hmm. has like a fan fiction hook yes. in it too. Like, yeah, I just want, I want all of those. <laughs> let's, uh, let's start by talking about the 90s. Yes, please. Because right now there's a thing going on on Twitter where people are like, what kind of kid were you? Were you a Tumblr teen or, and I forget, like a live journal teen? And I was like, oh no, like I was a 90s teen, which means I was like a, 
a Zanga and Blog Spot. <laughs> Teen. Oh, Eric, go AOL even... Instant Messenger teen. <laughs> yeah, AOL Instant Messenger was the jam. And in addition to that, there was the AOL forums. You know, you had your... Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Fun story. That's actually where I met my husband. No way. Yeah. On an AOL forum <laughs> back when we were teenagers. So, oh, yeah. I love that. Yeah. So that's the kind of 90s teen I was, like an actual <laughs> teen in the 90s. But we got a little snarky with this. <laughs> I was like, let's talk about books set in the 90s, like the temperature outside. Yes. But these are actually set in the 1990s and maybe in the 90s. It was probably hot in some of these books, too. Oh, yeah. Do you actually I'll start because this first book is the one that I had made a note that I was going to talk about and then actually read in the interim. And that's The Black Kids by Christina Hammonds Reed. Such a good cover. Yeah, it's got a killer cover. And that cover is so fitting for the book, too. This one comes out August 4th. And I'd initially said I would think of this as historical fiction. It's it's set during the Rodney King riots of 1992 in Los Angeles. But I read this one, and I think maybe the Rodney King riot aspect is maybe a little overplayed in the description. This is really a coming-of-age story about a girl named mm. Ashley and her best friends. They live a pretty privileged life. Ashley is at the end of her senior year, and she's spending more time at the beach than she is, oh, doing her classroom work or schoolwork. And she's the only black girl in this group of friends. But when the riots start to heat up, she starts to realize she's not just one of the girls in this group, that she is also black, and that this intersection of identities is really important and something that she has to grapple with. As uh, the city sort of continues to descend into chaos, she is really struggling with her identity and starts to befriend the other few Black kids in her privileged high school. And so this is a book about her understanding her identity and also understanding what it is to be privileged, even though she is not necessarily privileged in the way that culturally we see privilege being white people and it was just it was a really fascinating book it was one that i think many many teens will relate to and will enjoy it was set in 1992 but it didn't necessarily feel like 1992 i mean besides the historical markers in there and they're not being cell phones this is a story of any black teenage girl coming of age in a in a city in a world that is charged with racial injustice and i really hope that readers who maybe are put off a little bit by the way that it's being sold will pick it up and give it a chance anyway that was the thing that was bothering me the most is when i went and read my goodreads reviews of other reviews of this one it was like nobody was talking about the way it's being angled and um mm. far more coming of age story than historical fiction Though the riots do play a part in sort of setting the story into motion. And that is The Black Kids by Christina Hammonds Reed, and that's out October 4th. Oh, October 4th. Oh, August, wow. August 4th. August 4th. Oh, August 4th. Okay. I can't, <laughs> uh, apparently, dates and time is just meaningless to me. <laughs> August 4th, so just in a week or so from when this episode hits. Oh, goodness. So let's see. Uh, oh, good. So just so you know, you were very close to getting a list of books from me that, like, published in 1990. Because oh, no. I, I was, like, really tired. And I was like, oh, you know, I guess this is a way to cheat the list. <laughs> you know, like, they're, they're written in 1990s. Uh, you know, but I 
yeah, I, I gave that up pretty quickly. So yeah, let me uh, talk about some of my picks. And uh, yeah, most of them are music-based. So um, yeah, my first one is uh, Fireworks by Katie Katungo. And I've definitely talked about this one on the podcast before because I think it's I think it's maybe my favorite one of Katie's books. Um, so it's set at the height of the boy band, girl band craze of the uh, 1990s. Uh, and we meet a teen girl who finds herself competing with her best friend for a spot in a coveted girl group. Uh, something she didn't even want for herself. So so Dana, she has always been the cheerleader for her best friend. Uh, sort of the the wing woman, you know, the, the support. Uh, but when she goes to this audition with her pal, uh, the producer there suddenly wants to see what she's got. And that's it. Now she's also in the running. Now, feelings and friendships are just getting, like, ripped apart because one of them has always wanted this. The other one doesn't really care. There's a swoony boy. There's high stakes uh, because only one of them uh, can make it in the end. It's a book about friendship at its heart as well as music and this very specific era of it. This this 90s boy-slash-girl band sort of space. And, uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. And that's uh, Fireworks by Katie Katunga. My next pick is Who Put This Song On by Morgan Parker. Yay, I love this one. This one is so great, and any chance I could talk about it, I do. This one is set in the 90s, and it's a novel loosely based on Morgan Parker's own story, and the main character's name is also Morgan. It dives deep into mental health while also being really, really funny. It's a slice of light into Morgan's ups and downs in her conservative Christian school and very white suburban Southern California youth. She is not apologetic for her experiences, nor does she make any excuses for them. And throughout the book, you see her struggling to fit in and struggling with her mental health. And it's really, really honest. Morgan's faith in this book plays a big role. She really wants to believe in Christianity, but wrestles with some of the teachings that the faith shares and how they go against her own personal beliefs. And this is really nicely juxtaposed with how she lays into being an emo kid, despite <laughs> the fact that she is the antithesis of what people believe an emo kid to be, uh, which is white and sad and covered in eyeliner. She loves vintage fashion. She's black and just enjoys feeling her feelings as much as she can to really intense music. The climax of this book involves a public art performance and activist project, and it really, really seals the way that her mental illness interacts with her blackness as well as the history of black activism in the United States more broadly. This is one of my favorite mental health books, and again, laugh out loud funny at times, and I have trouble with the phrase unlikable female character. Like, there's so much bound up in that, but many readers find Morgan, the character, to be unlikable. I just found her to be real and raw and honest and open to making mistakes and doing things that might not necessarily be the most popular things to do. And that is Who Put This Song On by Morgan Parker. All right. My next one is uh, Let Me Hear a Rhyme by Tiffany Jackson. So speaking of books that center around a particular era of music, uh, Tiffany Jackson's Let Me here a rhyme is set in the late 90s uh, and centers around some teens who plot to make their friend into a major rap star, uh, even though he's dead. And, and the group of friends, as their uh, dead best friend's music starts to take off, have to confront what they know about his murder. So there's the sort of mystery and thrills that you expect um, from a Tiffany Jackson novel mixed with 90s music, Brooklyn, and it's just this like really simmering, intense book. Uh, it's probably my favorite one of hers. Like, I loved Monday's Not Coming and Allegedly, but this one, like, ah, oh, 
just all the heart there with the music. It really, uh, it just really won me over. It's so delightful. And that's uh, Let Me Hear a Rhyme by Tiffany Jackson. My next pick is Rebel Girls by Elizabeth Keenan. And this is a book about a rumor. So it's a it's a rumor about Athena's sister, Helen, that circulates where it's said that Helen has had an abortion over the summer, which is strictly prohibited in their pro-life Catholic high school. And it's especially detrimental to someone who is part of a pro-life group at the school. So Athena, her best friend Melissa, and a group of other girls rally behind Helen to get her name cleared, and their rebellion is Riot girl style in a way that readers who love that era of zines and pins and Kathleen Hanna will really, really dig here. Athena leans into the Riot girl movement of 1992 hard, even when it means idealizing a feminism that's not existent and thereby failing to live up to her own impossible standards. I also really appreciated that the whiteness of the right girl movement is explored here and tackled in a way that I haven't seen explored a whole lot when there's a lot of passion for this particular moment in feminist history. Readers who loved Moxie will want to pick this one up, and that is Rebel Girls by Elizabeth Keenan. All right, and my next one is one I haven't read yet, and that's uh, The Miseducation of Cameron Post by Emily M. Danford. Um, I have the paperback re-release, like, due to the movie, just, like, sitting on my on my shelf, and with my client in my agent life, Adam Sass's uh, Surrender Your Sons, hitting in September, uh, that which is also a book about a conversion therapy camp, like, this has been just a book I, like, I need to read this. I don't know why it's just still sitting there. I think I want to read the paperback and like kick back and watch the movie and just like have one of those kind of days. I feel like I really need one. And let me let me just dig into the description. So when Cameron Post's parents die suddenly in a car crash, her shocking first thought is relief. Relief that they'll never know that hours earlier she had been kissing a girl. But that relief doesn't last, and Cam is soon forced to move in with her conservative Aunt Ruth and her well-intentioned but hopelessly old-fashioned grandmother. She knows that from this point on, her life will be forever different. Survival in Miles City, Montana means blending in and leaving well enough alone, as her grandmother might say, and Cam becomes an expert at both. Then Corey Taylor moves into town. Beautiful pickup driving Coley is perfect cowgirl with the perfect boyfriend to match. She and Cam forge an unexpected and intense friendship, one that seems to leave room for something more to emerge. But just as that starts to seem like a real possibility, ultra-religious Aunt Ruth takes drastic actions to quote-unquote fix her niece, bring Cam face-to-face with the cost of denying her true self, even if she's not exactly sure who that is. And this is uh, The Miseducation of Cameron Post by Emily M. Danford. I read the book when it first came out, but haven't yet seen the film, and I need to. Yeah, and like she has a new book coming out. I think she has like an adult book coming out. She has an adult book, yeah. yeah. And it's also like a chunky book, too. Apparently she writes really massive tomes. <laughs> <laughs> My next pick is one I haven't read yet, and that is Those Who Pray by Jennifer Moffat. And I haven't read it yet because it publishes in November, and it's a thriller cult story set in the 90s. Here's the little little blurb. College life isn't what Emily expected. She expected to spend freshman year strolling through the ivy-covered campus with new friends, finally feeling like she belonged. Instead, she walks the campus alone, still not having found her place or her people, so far away from home, but then the kingdom finds her. The kingdom, an exclusive on-campus group, offers everything Emily expected of college and more. Acceptance, friends, a potential boyfriend, and the chance to spend summer in Italy on a mission trip. But the trip is not what she thought it would be. Emily and the others are stripped of their passports and money, 
They're cut off from their families back home, and the kingdom's practices become increasingly manipulative and dangerous, and then someone ends up dead. That is Those Who Pray by Jennifer Moffat. It sounds awesome. And I have a quick little bullet list of recommendations mm-hmm. here for 90s books. Uh, Way to Go by Tom Ryan, an author uh, me and Kelly love quite a bit. You can listen to him on some past episodes talking books with Kelly. The Perks of Being a Wallflower by Stephen Chopsky. Uh, and Skyscraping by Cordelia Jensen. I've got one more, too, to toss in there. and that Oh, is- yes. That is We Were Promised Spotlights by Lindsay Sprawl. And this is another one I haven't read yet, but have sitting on my shelf. So here's a little little blip. Taylor Garland's good looks have earned her the admiration of everyone in her small town. She's homecoming queen, the life of every party, and she's on every boy's most wanted list. People think Taylor is living the dream and assume she'll stay in town and have kids with the homecoming queen. Maybe even be a dental hygienist if she's super ambitious. But Taylor is actually desperate to leave home. And she hates the smell of dentist's office. Also, she's completely in love with her best friend, Susan. Senior year is almost over and everything seems perfect. Now Taylor just has to figure out how to throw it all away. And that is We Were Promised Spotlights by Lindsay Sprawl. That came out earlier this spring. And it has this really cool, like, glittery style cover and then a giant fly on it, which I just love. (laughs) All right, let me jump into our next ad. So our second sponsor today is the epic follow-up to the New York Times best-selling Avatar The Last Airbender, Rise of Kyoshi. Kyoshi's place as the true Avatar has been cemented, but at a heavy cost. With her mentors gone, Kyoshi voyages across the four nations, struggling to keep the peace. While her reputation grows, a mysterious threat emerges from the spirit world. To stop it, Kyoshi, Rangji, and their reluctant allies must join forces before the four nations are destroyed irreparably. This thrilling follow-up continues her journey from a girl of humble origins to the merciless pursuer of justice still feared and admired centuries after becoming the Avatar. And wow, what good timing, because I know the series just hit Netflix and everyone is talking about it lately. Mm -hmm. Timing on those franchise books is so smart. It really is. It is. Let's talk about reading when you have no attention span or focus. Yes, because that is absolutely the space I'm in right now. Uh, And short YA, uh, yeah, I need need more. (laughs) I did, and I'll link this in the show notes, I did a piece maybe... Three years ago now of, I think it was like 50 or 100 must-read YA books under 250 pages. Oh, wow. Yeah, because so many YA books have gotten bigger and bigger. There are so few now that are shorter. And me personally, I like a short book. I think you can pack so much in with so few words. And so I really appreciate the craft behind being able to do that. And I think sometimes we forget that short books doesn't necessarily mean easy books or light books. It can, but it doesn't always. And so I am just fascinated with how stories get told in a short amount of space without skimping on anything. So I wanted to highlight some of those and maybe this will be inspiration for me to revisit that list and add a bunch of new books because there have been a whole bunch of new ones that have published in the last few years that fall in that under 250 pages category. Yes, no, that sounds good. And you know, it's so funny, while we while we were just chatting about all this, I realized that like the Love Victor novella totally falls mm-hmm. under all of this. So that's another one I gotta add to my list. We should talk sometime about the novellas that have come out as part of a series because I haven't read any, in part because I'm bad with series, but there have been so <laughs> many 
that I know readers are probably like, I want a little bit more of that world. And it's like, hmm, well, here's a, you know, 96 page novella that would satisfy that, that itch. Yeah. And you know what? I wish we got more standalone YA novellas, like period, Mm -hmm. you know, like it'd just be so great for when I'm like on a plane or, (laughs) or anything, you know? (laughs) Yep. For the day when we're all able to take planes again. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Do you want to kick this one off? Sure. So my first one, uh, in terms of short YAs, and it's so funny because you you had mentioned like, you know, just because it's a short YA doesn't mean it's going to be, you know, short and cute and fluffy uh, because these are anything but. Uh, And this one is uh, I Felt a Fire in My Brain by Will Walton. Uh, I definitely brought this one up when it first came out because I did an event with him. And it's such a, like a stunningly weird and powerful book about a, a team who is in the grips of alcohol addiction and uh, extreme grief after a close relative dies. And it's this like unusually told story that plays with time and structure, giving us bits and pieces of the story interspersed with poetry, thanks to an English teacher who encourages the main character to read more of it. And, you know, I've never really read anything like it, and it can be inhaled pretty quickly in an afternoon, despite the, the heavy content there. Though, make sure you set some time aside to, like, really think about what you've read, because I think it's going to sit with you for a while. Uh, and I, I feel like if I'm being, like, slice of lifey while describing it, that's kind of what the book is. You know, it's a teen wrestling with alcohol, reading lots of poetry, and dealing with extreme grief at the loss of, I think it's his grandfather? that passes away in, in the book. I'm, I'm, I don't quite remember. And that's the story. Like the, it's not one of those, like what are the high stakes? What is going on? It's a, here's this moment in this teen's life. Things are really bad. Uh, let's hope they kind of get through it and hear the ways that they cope. And uh, yeah, I've never read anything else like it. And it's just such a, such a wild book. And that's a, I felt a fire in my brain by Will Wong. My first pick is also one of those short but not easy books, and that's We Are Okay by Nina LaCour. This one clocks in at 230 pages, and if you have not read this one, here's a reminder that it's not only an award-winning book, but it's such a perfect representation of loneliness and isolation and grief, and showcases what it means to do a short book with big, big feelings in it. So this is a story about Marin, who hasn't talked to anybody from her old life, and she is choosing to spend her winter break alone in her dorm. But her best friend Mabel wants to come visit, and everything from the before starts to unravel for Marin. This one, this book starts slow, and it's not until you begin with the flashbacks that are masterfully woven in that you start to understand why Marin is the way she is. It's a book about loss, about relationships with people we know and that we think we know but don't, and about the depths and shapes that grief can make. It's also this beautiful story about love and romance without romance playing a role in the central narrative. What we get instead is the way love takes so many different forms, uh, which is something that Marin's grandfather, who is sort of central to Marin's experiences of grief and loss, taught her early on. It's really tightly written, it's well-paced and sharp, and this is a book for readers who want to feel all the feels. I cried in this one, and it was one of those cathartic cries, not one that felt manipulative, and it's just really authentic and vulnerable and real and beautiful. And that is We Are Okay by Nina LaCour. All right, my next one is Burnout by Christy Helvig. Uh, so this is one of those like underrated YA sci-fi gems I wish more people had picked up before 
I think it's Egmont was the original publisher before they went under. Um, well, here in the States. I know they're still in the UK. It's a short and breezy sci-fi novel that has a sequel. It is a duology uh, set on Earth that's, uh, well, it's about to be devoured by a sun that's decided to get seemingly bigger out of nowhere. I know the sun is going to devour the Earth in like, I don't know, what is it, a billion years? Or judging by how it feels outside, maybe today. <laughs> uh, but it's about this teen girl who is uh, hiding in her temperature-controlled bunker under the uh, under the ground, uh, wooding away the time and guarding these super weapons uh, that her father has left behind. Um, and she's made it her mission to make sure no one gets them, even if it get, means getting burned up as the sun consumes the planet. Um, although a pack of mercenaries has another idea as they descend upon the bunker and try to break in and steal the weaponry and it's just this really amazing really tight why sci-fi novel that uh yeah came out a few years ago you might only be able to get it uh on the kindle i don't think it's in print anymore but um so so good uh definitely check it out and that's burnout by christy helvin my next pick is one that came up a lot in conversation this weekend and i again we made this agenda like a month ago so i could never have have imagined (laughs) how timely this is but March Book One by John Lewis, Andrew uh, Aiden, yeah. and Nate Powell was on my list, is on my list. It's 128 pages. Of course, comics are great picks for short reads, and this is an especially good one. Apparently, I'm on a talk about all the award-winning books roll right now, so go with it and know that this is a trilogy. All three books are short, and it's about the early life of civil rights leader John Lewis, who, as you know, passed away this weekend, and it starts the series with his growing up in rural Alabama, his experiences meeting Martin Luther King Jr., the start of the Nashville student movement, and his work in tearing down segregation through nonviolence, including the lunch counter sit-ins across the country. Obviously, once you finish this first book, you'll be eager to pick up the next two in the trilogy, and you'll still clock in at a pretty short page count for three books that are essential reading. That is March Book One by John Lewis, Andrew Aiden, and Nate Powell. Let's see. My next one is uh, Wink Poppy Midnight by April Genevieve uh, Tchulke. Is that how you say her last name? I'm not quite sure. Um, but I really love this uh, weird and intense mystery novel that bounces back and forth between these three super distinct voices as you try to piece together a mystery in a small town. Um, with splashes of, you know, maybe there's magic going on. Maybe something supernatural is happening. And a wildly messy romance in the mix. It's a story about some very toxic teenagers, uh, some who, I don't know, some who don't seem like they're the mean girls of the story, but then maybe turn out to be the mean girls of the story. Uh, And you're just basically spending the entire book asking yourself who the real villain of the book is. Um, It's such a fun read, and it's, I don't know, it's another one of those, like, slice of life mystery stories because it's you know one kid is a bully one kid isn't but maybe one kid is the bully and the other one isn't and you're just (laughs) trying to figure out what exactly is going on in this really in this book that's told in this really interesting prose style yeah highly recommend checking it out you'll finish it in a single afternoon uh and that's wink poppy midnight my next pick is what goes up by christine hepperman which comes out august 18th so, a couple weeks, and it's 176 pages. This is a novel in verse, so you get double points on the short read scale, because it's not only short, but it's in verse, so it reads pretty quickly. I'm going to read the little blurb of this, uh, because I haven't picked it up yet, and this might be the first of Christine's books I haven't read yet. So, when Jory wakes up in the loft bed of a college boy she doesn't recognize, she's instantly filled with regret. What happened the night before? What led her to this place? 
Was it her father's infidelity, her mother's seemingly weak acceptance, her recent breakup with Ian, the boy who loved her art and supported her through the hardest time of her life? As Jory tries to reconstruct the events that led her to this point, free verse poems lead the reader through the current morning, as well as flashbacks to her relationships with her parents, her friends, her boyfriend, and the previous night. I love how Hepperman is able to tell such giant stories in so few words and in a format that is creatively a bit restrictive. She can only tell so much and make it first, and yet she always succeeds. So I'm super excited about this one. That is What Goes Up by Christine Hepperman. All right. My next one is uh, Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist by Rutikon David Levithan. And I feel like you can't talk about short YA without just bringing this one up really quick because it is it is absolutely under 200 pages. The paperback is this like thin little thing. And, you know, it's a musical YA romance about crossing the city while chasing down music and maybe falling for the person that you're doing it with. You can absolutely read this and devour it in like an hour or two and then watch the movie with Michael Sarah. It's a good way to spend an afternoon. I think. And that's uh, Nick and Nora's <laughs> Infinite Playlist. I love how this episode is me not knowing what time anything is and you going, I'm going to watch the movie. I'm going to watch the movie, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My last pick is Dear Martin by Nick Stone, which clocks in at only 210 pages. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I know no one needs to know what this book is about, but here's a reminder. <laughs> it's a really short read, and it encapsulates how much can be packed into... Such a gut punch of a book without a hefty page count. It's perfect for fans of Walter Dean Myers, who is another expert at the short, impactful novel. And it follows Ivy League-bound Justice, who finds himself in handcuffs after he and his best friend were out for a ride enjoying some music and got caught in the crosshairs of gunfire. Now Justice finds solace in writing letters to Dr. Martin Luther King. How can he clear his name and find that? Justice. I'd recommend revisiting this one if you've read it before or pick it up for the first time now to prepare for the release of the sequel, which is Dear Justice. It comes out in September. That book follows an incarcerated teen who writes letters to justice from his own prison sentence. And that is Dear Martin by Nick Stone. Oh, cannot wait for that. Mm-hmm. And then like bonus notes, you know, I, I mentioned the perks of being a wallflower and skyscraping, like... Those two also clock in at very short, uh, despite the fact that Skyscraping looks like a giant book. It's in verse. Yeah, it's in verse, <laughs> and you can inhale it pretty quickly. I love that, like, when you think about short books, sometimes it's easy to forget. Format can impact the oh, length yeah. of a book. Comics don't need to be super long to be super powerful or just fun. I think that's the thing, too, is I keep saying powerful, but there's nothing wrong with short books being fun. Sometimes it's exactly what you need. Mm -hmm. And the same thing comes with verse. You think about how some of those verse novels look really big, but they're not. It's just the formatting requires a little bit more page count sometimes. Or in the case of Skyscraping or in any Christine Hefferman's books, they're still pretty small. Yeah. And get so much in in so few words. That's our show. That's it. That's it. That's all we got. <laughs> Thanks to everyone for tuning in this week. Of course, if you have feedback about the show, you can leave that on Apple Podcasts. Let us know how we're doing, and when you do that, it helps other people find us. 
Thanks to today's sponsors for helping make the show possible. And big thanks to our awesome audio editor, Jen Zink. She makes us sound way better than we actually sound when we record. She puts up with so much. (laughs) Between the animals, the children, us, she, she handles it. You can follow me, Kelly Jensen, on Instagram as Hey Kelly Jensen. And you can follow Eric Smith on Twitter and Instagram as Eric Smith Rocks. We will talk to you again in two weeks. Bye. Bye.